Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Remix Community Church. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Milton Marquez. I serve as one of the pastors for this wonderful church family, and we're just so delighted that you've chosen to come worship with us this morning. Today, we're going to begin a new series here at Remix. Uh, anytime someone uh, preaches here at Remix, if you're interested, you can open up the Remix app, and there you'll find some sermon notes uh, that you can uh, jot down any questions or comments or thoughts during the sermon that may pop up. And also, we've provided for you a few questions there that if you'd like to incorporate those into your devotional life, you may, or maybe you're, you've decided to start your devotional life this week, and maybe that could help you along the way. Our series is entitled Outcasts, and for the next two months, we're going to be exploring outcasts in the Bible, the people that society had rejected, but that Jesus embraced. Because the life of Jesus is one of loving outcasts. And here at the Remix Community Church, we want to be a church that embraces outcasts where an outcast can find a home. So this series is actually for two groups of people. It's for those of us who feel rejected by society or maybe even the church itself. And we want you at the end of this series to know and to feel and to understand that being an outcast puts you in a perfect place to be embraced and loved and accepted by Jesus and his church. The other group of people that this series is for is for those of you who consider yourself part of the Remix family. Because we want the Remix Community Church to be known as a place where outcasts are welcomed. We want this place to be known as a place where rejects can be accepted. We want those who choose to come into this building and to join us for worship every Saturday or who bump into us out on the streets of Clinton or wherever we may be to find that in us, the Remix Community Church, they are loved and welcomed. Now, let's talk about what's really on everybody's mind today. It must be nice to be from the New England area. I'm not a New Englander, I'm, I'm actually from New York. And soon, soon you'll understand why it pains me to admit that. Uh, you see, being from this area must be nice when you have the New England Patriots to cheer for year after year. This is a church where you can clap, it's okay. So I know some of you wanted to clap and you're like, is this appropriate clapping for the Patriots? And well, let's, let's assume that Jesus created Tom Brady and the team. I have not been able to cheer for my football team, the New York Jets, for a very long time. Yeah, have a pity party for the pastor. But, but think about it, think about it. Yeah, Joe Namath, <laughs> two years before I was born. Anyway, but you think about it. The Patriots have been in the Super Bowl 11 times in the history of Super Bowls. They've won five of those 11. That's amazing. That's almost half. In fact, the Patriots, if they win tomorrow, they will have won six out of the last 18 Super Bowls. That's amazing, 
Tomorrow's a big day for our area. Yes, it is. I, I recognize it. The Super Bowl is upon us. And how great it must feel to go into a day knowing, going into a competition, that the height of the NFL season is right there at your grasp. The Lombardi Trophy once again can be in the hands of your beloved Patriots. That's got to be a wonderful feeling. To come to a day and know that all your dreams can potentially come true. Now, I want you to know that today we have a very similar experience here at Remix. There is a day when we come together and that on that day, amazing things happen. On that day, dreams can come true. People can be healed. Relationships can be brought back together. And outcasts can find a home. That day is today. And I want you to know that today, here at Remix, is our Super Bowl. Some of you might be wondering, what am I, what am I even talking about? What's the pastor talking about? I want to explore this reality with you through a story in the Bible. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 5, or you can pull it up in the Remix app or whatever Bible app you prefer to use. And we're going to be looking at the story in verses 1 through 15. So let's begin in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, this is a great introduction to this story. Jewish celebrations mostly were about celebrating what God had done in the past for his people. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem with the purpose of celebrating, of partying, of being part of this feast. Don't let anyone ever tell you, my brothers and sisters, that Christians shouldn't party. Somebody should have said amen to that. Because if Christianity doesn't make you want to celebrate, guess what? You're doing it wrong. If we believe what the Bible says and we believe that Jesus did what he did for us, we should be the first ones celebrating and partying. And that's what Jesus went to Jerusalem to do. Let's continue reading the story in verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep's gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. There's an interesting group of people here in these porches. The Bible identifies them as blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, I want you to understand something. This story that we're about to jump into, get deep into, is a story about us. We are those people. We are the rejects, the outcasts, in this story. Now, some of you may be thinking, but well, maybe thinking, I'm not blind. I'm not lame. I'm not paralyzed. And that's true. But there's an interesting word that groups all of these people together in the Greek, and it's, it's the word that can be translated invalid or sick. But there's another translation for it, which is weary. Now, if weariness makes you an outcast, then all of us are outcasts, aren't we? Because the world is designed to tire us out. Who here doesn't understand weariness? You try to live your life normally, day by day. You go to school, you go to work, you spend time with your family, you try to do the things that you're supposed to do, and at the end of the day, you're dead tired. You're weary. You know what I'm talking about, right? About a week and a half ago, I understood weariness to another level. I think of myself as a hard worker, 
But this went beyond. See, I was scheduled to uh, travel to South Bend, Indiana on my way to Andrews University, which is in Berrien Springs, Michigan. And I was there because I was recruiting college students to come and be part of our staff for our summer program at Camp Winnipeg. I got a notification that morning, I was doing worship for, uh, for the conference in the morning, and I got a notification that said, uh, your flight has been canceled. You love that, don't you? I was gonna fly out of Boston, so I quickly figured something out, and I was able to get a flight going out of Providence, Rhode Island instead. So I take the hour and a half drive down to Providence, Rhode Island, and I get on my flight. My flight goes to Philadelphia, and then from Philadelphia I get on another plane, and I get to Charlotte, where I was supposed to end up anyway. Once I landed in Charlotte, I found out that my flight to Indiana had been canceled. The next flight available was going to be at 6 a.m. the next day through Dallas-Fort Worth, which would have gotten me to South Bend, Indiana at 4 p.m. I would have lost a whole day of recruiting. I said, I can't do that. Let's see if there's another solution. I go to the gate and I tell the lady, can you get me anywhere else close? I can get you to Chicago. And here's your ticket. So I get my boarding pass. Two hours delayed later, I'm finally flying to Chicago. And after getting my rental car and driving the two hours to Berrien Springs, Michigan, the trip in which I was supposed to arrive at 10 p.m. that night, now I'm arriving at 3.30 in the morning. I was weary. And being weary is part of life, and it sometimes puts us on the outside looking in. But Jesus shows us that he can rejuvenate our lives. That with him, we can get that energy back through his healing. So this pool that we're reading about here was near a gate called the Sheep's Gate. Scholars tell us that this was a small gate near the temple where they would bring in the sheep and they would let them through the gate so that the sheep could get into the temple to be part of the sacrifices. And the pool's name is interesting. It was called Bethesda, which means house of mercy. I find this so ironic. You would think that if any place people will receive mercy, a place that is called the house of mercy would be inside of the temple where people who are, need hope, who need support, who need love, who need help, would find it in the temple identified as God's house, the house of mercy. But look at this story. The ones who need the help the most are outside the temple, and the only ones getting inside the temple are the dumb animals. This is backwards, isn't it? This is not the way it should be. And this made me think, I want the Remix Community Church to be known as a house of mercy, don't you? I want this place to be known as a place where the outcasts can come and know that they are loved, know that they are accepted, know that they are welcomed, and more than just welcomed, that they can be a part of what is happening here. It should never be easier for dumb animals to get into the church than for people to get into the church. But that's what was happening here. The story of this pool is that an angel supposedly would go down into the waters and stir up the waters, kind of like a hot tub. 
And then the first person who could come and get into the waters when they were stirred would receive healing. Now, the Greek language used here poetically describes these, the condition of these outcasts in slavery language, if you would believe that. They were bound by their diseases, their infirmities. The one who made it to the pool first, the language used here describes them as freed from their sickness. This is the dilemma of the outcast. You're enslaved by your reality. Now, let's have some straight talk here, okay? You guys okay with straight talk? We want to be honest about our situations as outcasts. Some of us are outcasts because of bad luck. Something happened to you that wasn't under your control. It wasn't anybody's fault necessarily. It's just one of those things. Circumstances happen and you are an outcast, enslaved by your situation. Some of us are outcasts because of the decisions others have made, maybe evil decisions towards us. And that has affected our situation and we've become enslaved as outcasts because of someone else. But let's be honest, there's some of us who are enslaved and who are outcasts because of our own decisions and the things that we have done. But in the end, that doesn't matter. This is good news. It doesn't matter because you were not designed to be enslaved. You were designed for freedom. You are an outcast. And it doesn't matter how you became an outcast, whether it was by somebody else's doing or your own, Jesus has come to set you free. He's not asking about how did you get here. He's just asking, how can I free you? You are an outcast, but you are welcome here. Let's continue looking at the story in verses 6 and 7. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another, while I am going, another steps down before me. <laughs> the man seems to blame his condition on the lack of support he's receiving. You know, I'm too slow. People are quicker than me. I just don't have anybody who can help me. I would guess that after 38 years with this affliction, and trying to get healed, this man probably gave up. The language that he uses is interesting. It, it makes it sound like he would have been, even been okay if someone would have just picked him up and tossed him into the water. <laughs> he was so desperate. But I think he gave up. And here is the important part of our outcast story because it's at this moment when we give up, when we say, I can't do anything else, which is... It's in the perfect situation for us to receive what God can do, to be healed. Because when we're at our last is when God shows his power. Jesus asked the man in verse 6 if he wanted to be well. It's interesting, he never answered in the affirmative. He never said, yes, of course, please heal me. So that tells me that you don't even have to ask to be healed to receive the healing that God has for you. Because God knows the longings of your heart. And he can read that heart and he can know 
that you need and that you want that healing. Let's look at what happened in verses 8 and 9. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. What a difference, huh? What a difference between the healing the pool gave people and the healing that Jesus gave. At the pool, it's a competition for healing. Only the fastest, the best, the ones with the greatest circumstances and luck and, and situations are going to receive the healing. It's a competition. But the healing that Jesus gives had nothing to do with competition. It just had to do with Jesus' desire to heal. And if Jesus wants to heal you, the healing is yours. So Jesus heals the man. This was the Super Bowl. It was the Sabbath. Now, I need to give a little bit of information here because some of you, this, this term Sabbath may be new to you. Maybe you, you've heard these weird Adventists using it. You know, we get together on Saturdays and we say, happy Sabbath, happy Sabbath. And some of you might nod your head and be like, what are they talking about? And I want to tell you a little bit about what that term means. See, the Bible tells us that God created the earth in six days. And you can find that story in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And on the seventh day, the Bible tells us that God rested and he made that day holy. And then God instructed his creation to work your six days, but the seventh day, take it as a rest day, a day of, of rejuvenation, a day of communion, deep communion with me. And then in the Ten Commandments, you go, which are found in Exodus chapter 20, you find the fourth commandment, which says to keep the Sabbath holy. So we here at the Remix Community Church, we gather on Saturdays, the seventh day, which we call the Sabbath, to worship God as a family. And that's what we're going to do every Sabbath. And we want to make that day special, especially for the outcasts. Now, for the Jews, the Sabbath was so important that they made, they created extra rules to make sure that they would never violate the Sabbath. Because they wanted it to be pure and holy as God had created it. So when Jesus told this man, pick up your bed and walk, he was actually telling him to violate the Sabbath because those were the rules that the Jews had created. Let's see what happens next in verses 10 through 13. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was. He didn't even ask Jesus' name. Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. The Jews did not like this. They told him to stop. Now, let me say one thing. It is important to have rules. It's important for keeping things organized, keeping things moving forward. But let me tell you something. We must be careful 
when our man-made rules become greater than our God-created celebration. Because this man was healed, and there should have been a party thrown at that moment. And we can, when, when an outcast finds the healing in God, we have to cast aside our traditions and our, and our formalisms, and we need to join the party. And we need to celebrate what God is doing in people's lives. Let's wrap up the story in verses 14 through 16. And here's how it concludes. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why Jesus were persecuting. That's why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So it's confirmed. Jesus confirmed it. This man's own decisions made him an outcast, put him under slavery. And that's why the religious society rejected him. And once he was healed, he was allowed back into the temple. He was embraced as an equal. It's interesting that Jesus, what Jesus said to him, listen to this. See you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Jesus didn't say sin no more or else you're back out. Sin no more or else we can't accept you here. He said, sin no more so your life doesn't get worse than it was before. But if it does, guess what? I'll be here. Sin no more so that you can live the life that I designed you to live. But if you fall, I'll be here. Jesus accepted the outcast before he healed him. Jesus connected with him before the healing happened. This man received mercy before he received transformation. And these were the types of things that Jesus did on the Sabbath. Tomorrow is the Super Bowl. Congratulations, Patriots fans. The day so many of you have been waiting for. The day that the dream of being a champion can come true. For many, it will be a day of celebration and excitement. But let me tell you something. This day, Saturday, Sabbath, is our Super Bowl. This is the outcast Super Bowl. It's a day that Jesus loves to make dreams come true through the church. It's a day when healing can begin for many. It's a day when an outcast can join a group of people who love and worship God and be accepted and healing can begin. You want some excitement in your life? You want to cheer? You want to celebrate? Well, guess what? The Super Bowl happens here every Saturday, right here in this building, when we embrace all the outcasts that are here and all the outcasts that are in our community. Jesus was known to heal on the Sabbath, and guess what? He hasn't stopped. Now he does it through us, the church. And I want all the outcasts here today to know that no matter how much you've been rejected out there, you will find love and caring here at the Remix Community Church.
You may never stop being an outcast. I hope I never do. But you will be accepted here as an outcast because this day, Sabbath, is outcast day at the Remix Community Church.